and welcome to this week's episode of Renoites. My name is Lynn Lazaro, and I'm your host for today's podcast. If you guys don't know, I'm co-producing this season with Connor as a journalism student at the University of Nevada, Reno. It's been so great being a part of this amazing podcast, and I'm so excited to share this episode with you all. This is my first time ever producing a podcast episode from start to finish, and I'm glad I was able to record it in such a cool space. This week on the podcast, we visited the Radical Cat to talk with Rosie Zuckerman, one of the owners of Reno's very own feminist bookstore. The Radical Cat triples as a bookstore, adoptable cat lounge, and transformative community space. Their selection of books is focused on diversity, social justice, LGBT empowerment, and much more. They host some pretty cool events, featuring local activists like Lily Barron, our previous guest on the podcast, and other amazing people and organizations in town. Rosie and I talked about how the Radical Cat came to be, her work with Pussycat and V, a pop-up cat adoption center, and local activism. The store has only been open since March, but they've already had some amazing events, including Boom for Whom, which is mentioned in today's episode. But, so there's no confusion, this episode was recorded a few weeks ago, so that event has already passed. But you can check out more of their cool events on Instagram, at The Radical Cat. Before we get into the episode, though, don't forget that we're now on Patreon. If you like this show and want to support it, go to patreon.com slash renoites. As always, if you have any suggestions for guests or topics or any kind of feedback, you can email Connor at any time at connor at renoites.com. That's C-O-N-O-R at renoites.com. Or shoot us a message on Instagram. If you don't follow us on Instagram yet, you can follow us at renoites. And now, this week's guest, cat lover and radical bookstore owner, Rosie Zuckerman. Rosie Zuckerman, welcome to Renoites. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. So just to start, I want to know a little bit more about you and your history um, with cats and what got you started into the Radical Cats. So my history, as far as this place goes, is I used to do a pop-up called Pussycat NV, and we were partnered with the Humane Society. It was at the Holland Project. And what it entailed was um, we set up a little sort of like cozy cat lounge area where you could come in and hang out with the kitties. And they were also adoptable. Sort of our goal was, you know, very similar to our goal with the cat aspect of the radical cat, which is both to get cats adopted while giving them a sp- like sort of a place to hang out that was, you know, more comfortable than the environment they might be in a rescue or a shelter environment, but also for people who couldn't adopt cats who, you know, are not able to take care of a cat or don't have the financial means to take care of a cat or are not allowed to have a cat in their living situation. The idea would be for people to be able to just come and hang out with an animal and sort of reap the emotional and physiological benefits of hanging out with animals. And so that was Pussycat and V, and that was my experience with that. I believe the first year we did Pussycat Envy was 2019, and we did about, I think, four pop-ups ranging from one week in length to one month, all at the Holland Project and all with the Humane Society. Um, At some point, we started thinking about how we wanted to open a permanent storefront, and a friend of mine, Melissa, had always dreamed of opening a feminist bookstore, which I think is so cool. I never myself, I don't think, would feel confident enough to be like, I should have a bookstore because I feel like I don't really identify as a strong reader. I'm definitely 
what my middle school teacher friend calls a a reluctant reader, but it seemed like a really cool idea. I asked her if it would be something she would be interested in collaborating on, and she was. We got a really, like, sort of good hookup um, on our location, which meant we had affordable rent. And then we opened the Radical Cat in late March of this year. And how did everyone come together to start the Radical Cat? I know you mentioned Melissa, and there are two other owners, right? Right. So Melissa and I are the primary owners of the Radical Cat. And then also Mike is Melissa's husband, and he is the person who did the whole build out of the space. He's very allergic to cats, so he unfortunately can't spend any time here. But the only reason we have a structure that is able to contain the kitties is because of Mike. And then the fourth owner is Ilya, who is my partner, who was very involved in running the Pussycat and V pop-ups with me as well, who works at the Holland Project, and who is also a sort of passionate reader. Awesome. And what's it been like working together um, in this space? Honestly, working together has been really awesome. I think that we've all sort of learn to gravitate towards working on the things that are strengths. I think we've all managed to sort of take advantage of our strengths as much as we can in terms of the business. Melissa is the only one out of us who's like really knowledgeable on starting a business and sort of the back end of that kind of stuff, which is amazing, like is is definitely like a very scary aspect of it to me. So it's really, really nice working with someone who is not daunted by that. I personally sort of head the cat side of things. And Ilya has been doing most of the event coordinating and sort of coordinating with people in the community as far as making a calendar of like sort of diverse events that we can do at the shop. And I think we're all really stoked on the book and literature aspect of it. So we all kind of equally work on that. And then, you know, like I said, we wouldn't even have a standing space if Mike hadn't built it out. So can you tell me a little bit more about like what the Radical Cat is? Yeah. So the Radical Cat is a radical bookstore, a community space, and a cat lounge, which means that we have cats from the SPCA who are all microchipped, fixed, vaccinated, and ready to be adopted. In addition to being adoptable, our cats are you know, here and open to hanging out with people who just come and visit with them. They have a little, you know, private room of their own if they're not into hanging out, but we then do have a public space where people can enter. Um, There's no charge or anything just to come hang out and decompress and, you know, grab a book and read with the kitties or whatever. So. Awesome. Can you tell me a little bit about the name that you guys chose for the bookstore? Like words have a lot of meaning and can inspire like certain images in people's minds, depending on what the word is. What does radical mean to you and why did you choose that? Right. So in addition to being a cat lounge space, we are definitely a radical feminist bookstore, meaning that the content of the books that we carry, as well as the authors of those books, for the most part, are identify as feminists, um, community organizers, activists, anti-racists, you know, all sort of fall under this sort of radical activist-y thought genre. You know, we obviously, you know, carry fiction and kids' books and stuff. So our, you know, books that aren't, you know, history or nonfiction or activist-y necessarily in content are we try to focus on those books coming from authors who 
are part of those more marginalized groups. So you mentioned like activism and I know the Radical Cat is considered like a community space. Why do you think it's so important to have that kind of space here in Reno? I think a lot of spaces that we admire and appreciate that exist in Reno, like our center and like the Holland Project and like some others that are these amazing community spaces. There are those spaces that exist in Reno, but I think that you can never have too many spaces that put our values and sort of our like faith in like a strong community in the forefront. You can never have too many of those spaces. So, you know, we hope to be a space that people can feel safe and comfortable and feel that they either can learn something new or learn about something they know something about or meet somebody with similar or different values and, you know, maybe see themselves reflected in some of the some of the stuff we carry. Um, and I know you guys hold events here. Uh, what kind of events do you guys do and like who do you work with? So we have done a variety of events and plan to continue working on them. So we're always, you know, open to people who hit us up about wanting to do a workshop or an event here. We've done like some fun, lighthearted stuff. Um, we did a cat toy crochet workshop with a local artist, Anna McKay. Um, we've done some tarot, wor- a series of tarot workshops with local tarot psychic person, Andrea Gregor. And we do kids' story times, which are just free and open to the public. Uh, We also have been hosting a few panels here that are sort of maybe a little heavier than Kitty Toy Crochet. We had one with a bunch of folks who do LGBTQIA activism in northern Nevada, including like a very young teenager person who was on the panel. So that was really cool. And then we have one coming up this week that is called Boom for Whom, and that is on the sort of rapid development and growth that's happening in Reno and sort of what that means for us as community members and how we can navigate it. And that one that's coming up is with um, a bunch of folks doing really cool stuff in Reno. It's moderated by Lily Barron, who's a local activist. And then on the panel will be Alicia Barber from the Barber Brief, Bob Conrad from This Is Reno, and Nico, who runs our town, Reno, and Biggest Little Streets. You mentioned Pussycat Envy before, and I just want to know a little bit more about like your experience with cats. What got you involved with working with them? I, um, many years ago, did work at a veterinary hospital as a vet tech. I was kind of going to community college at the time. I thought I wanted to be a vet. I think, honestly, like what made me not want to do that is working in a vet hospital and feeling like People come in and you give them a vaccine and then they leave. I mean, and that's obviously very important, especially right now. There's a like serious shortage, I think, of veterinary staff. But I think at the time I became much more interested in working in shelter work because I was sort of interested in the, you know, whatever rescue side of things. So I worked at a shelter in the Bay Area for a while and I definitely learned a lot there. Mental health has always been something that I've seen people close to me struggle with. It's something I've struggled with, something that I've always felt was like a constant in my own stability was being able to spend time with animals. And I think a lot of people have that experience, you know, having had this quote unquote professional experience with animals and then just like my personal experience feeling like the safety and stability around hanging out with animals and seeing that with people I love and people I care about. 
And then also I think like everybody is entitled to feeling that de-stressing or like experiencing that de-stressing environment, I think is why I was interested in doing the cat lounge. The way I see it is it's beneficial to all parties. You know, it's like the cats aren't in cages. They're like hanging out in a normal sort of house vibe and hanging out with people, getting pet, getting loved. And so they're like sort of getting socialized, maybe getting to a point where they're, they are more adoptable. And then I think people are reaping the rewards of, you know, giving and receiving that love. That's why it's so important to me to have the cat lounge not exclusively available to adopters and, you know, free to enter for people who are not able to in their everyday life have an animal maybe for any reason, but still have access to that sort of like, I would call mental health care. Awesome. And you mentioned mental health, and this is kind of like a space for activists and marginalized groups with the kind of books that you have here. In those kind of like spaces or in those communities, there can be a lot of burnout just from being an activist or just being like in a marginalized group, just from everything that they have to deal with. Do you think that this space is scared to help them with that burnout and like their kind of mental health, like you mentioned? I'd like it to be. Yeah, I'd like it to be a space where anybody can come in the world and life is a really hard thing for a lot of people, whether you're doing crazy activist work, burning the candle at both ends, or like you have kids you're taking care of and you're also trying to do this or that, you know, work-wise, or whether you're a single person living on the street or, you know, wherever in between. I'd like our space to be sort of safe space for anybody experiencing burnout or stress, which so many people are. Like I said, maybe you'll meet people who are like sort of into the same thing as you, or at least know that you come in here and you're going to like be respected and treated right and feel safe. And like hang out and get cozy with a cat. So you mentioned that you guys partner with a lot of people in town, like activists and other organizations. Um, and our center is like right next to you guys. Have you ever partnered with them? Yeah, we have partnered with our center a little bit. We They did like a feminist book club that I think they were going to host here. But then it turned out that it made more sense for them. They had like a huge, amazing space. And it kind of made more sense for them to host it there. We did order the books for them. And we look forward to continuing doing their, you know, helping in whatever way or like supporting or working together or whatever, in whatever way with their feminist book club. We're definitely in communication with them a lot. They're amazing. They do really cool programming. So right now we're just like very happy neighbors. We haven't done any big projects together or anything like that. But it is really nice because a lot of the kids who come through, they have like a bunch of amazing support groups and events and movie nights and they do all kinds of stuff. So it's really nice because a lot of the kids who hang out there will come hang out here and visit the kiddies, read some books. It's nice to sort of have like the young teenage contingent of kids coming through and hanging with them and stuff. So it's been it's been awesome being next door to them. We haven't done any big projects in collaboration, but definitely looking forward to whatever we do together because they're awesome. And then what other organizations have you worked with? So the Northern Nevada Literacy I think it's Council. It's NNLC. Michaela, who, you know, works there, came here and did a pretty cute story time here with the kids. That was really fun and did like some crafts and stuff. The panels that we've put together have been, you know, in association with people who are involved in various groups like Wild West Access Fund. Like I said, the Holland Project we've been doing the Kids Book Club with. The panel that we're doing this week is going to include someone from 
Our Town Reno, which is also Biggest Little Streets, or, you know, has some crossover with Biggest Little Streets, and the Barber Brief, this is Reno. So yeah, I mean, we've haven't been doing like consistent projects necessarily with anyone outside the Holland Project, but we've gotten to work with so many people doing cool things. And it's special because it feels like it's cool to have the crossover with people doing all these amazing things in Reno. I find it inspiring to like see people who are doing things that are so important and so crucial. It's fun. And I would even go as far as to say an honor to, you know, be involved with those people. So you mentioned like working with Lily Barron and a bunch of other activists here in town. Can you tell me a little bit more about what Reno is like as an activist community? Yeah. So in my limited experience, the way it appears to me is sort of around the beginning of COVID times, there was like a proliferation of these mutual aid groups. I think a lot of people who had maybe, you know, cared about issues in the community, a lot of issues had become more apparent during the shutdown and maybe they had more time because a lot of people like lost their job or weren't working or whatever. So from my angle, it seemed like a lot of these mutual aid organizations started, whatever that was, mid-2020, people doing a lot of work with unsheltered folks and surrounding just like distributing food and clothes and overdose support like Narcan and doing things that were to sort of support the general needs of a lot of people who were the most vulnerable in our city. That's the most obvious thing about Reno activism that stuck out to me. I've also like learned a lot and met a lot of people who are doing other stuff sort of more on the as far as like Lily Barron goes, more like legal legislative side of things. That to me is full on like stars in my eyes. I think that's so cool that people can do that because to me it's so seems very scary and daunting. Of course the mutual aid stuff is huge too, but as far as like making enacting change as far as the city is concerned. So I don't know. I think there's a lot of really, really cool stuff going on in Reno as far as activism goes. I think I am not an activist, so I feel like I only have an outside perspective on it. It seems to me like there's a lot of really cool stuff going on, really cool mutual aid stuff, and people who are trying really, really hard to make this city like a livable, better place. The panel we're having this week, which is called Boom for Whom, and it's about the rapid development in Reno. You know, people who are really working hard to make this city sustainable and livable for people who are not skyrocketing to the top with the tech boom or didn't move here to work remotely and get paid a million dollars or whatever at their tech job and then like live, you know, quote unquote, cheaply here. It's gotten crazy. And I think a lot of people are really, really trying hard to fight that and support the people who are getting the most screwed over by that. So have you always been into feminism, activism, politics? Like, how did you get involved with that? Um, I think I probably have always been. I mean, my politics haven't ever really changed. I wasn't, didn't drastically believe, you know, I didn't believe something drastically different before now. I know some people have the experience of having been raised one way and then like done a U-turn and been like, wait, this is what I believe. I think I always believe the things I believe, but I think getting older and reading more and trying to like inform myself about people's lives who are have had different experiences in life than me, you know, as I continue to sort of try to inform myself about those things, I think my beliefs tend to become kind of stronger and more informed, I guess. You know, at some point being an adult, having grown up as a 
girl and then a woman, like, you realize all of this stuff that happens when you're growing up that's really messed up that nobody's surprised about and nobody told you is actually really messed up and is not normal. As I grew up, talked about those things with friends and the sort of this overarching experience of like all these horrible messed up experiences that happened to so many of us who are raised as girls and normalized, you know. So I think I've always thought these things. I definitely feel like I'm constantly learning. Being in a shop like this is weird because I'm be- I'm like around all these texts by all these like brilliant people that there's all this information that I would really like to already know, but I'm like working my way through it and trying to learn more. I think it's a process of always learning, being aware that there's a bunch of stuff I'm ignorant about because it hasn't been my experience, but trying to keep learning about it. How do you choose the books? When we first opened, we asked a bunch of people that, you know, we love and trust and feel like we're on the same page as for lists of book recommendations. So we had like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of recs for that stuff. And then often somebody will come in and be like, oh, you should have this author. You don't have this author and we'll look into it and be like, oh, we should have that author or like, "Mm, we no, probably not. And then we carry all the books that we all personally working here feel are like have been crucial to sort of our values and stuff like that. One of the biggest helps in opening and running and everything we've done with the shop actually has been the support we've gotten from some other radical bookstores, namely Firestorm Books, which is in Asheville in North Carolina. Often if I see a book that looks cool and looks legit, but I don't know anything about the author or something, I will often check their inventory and see if they carry it because I generally trust that something that they carry is like, you know, they're on the level. So it's been a lot of like cross-checking inventory with other bookstores that we sort of respect or admire or at least know we're on the same page as and recommendations and then our own personal favorites. Awesome. And then do you carry like any local authors here? We do have a few local authors and people come in sometimes and be like, "Uh, hey, I have this book. It's really nice to carry local stuff. We have a lot of art and stuff from local people. Because we're a radical bookstore, we do try to keep our inventory in keeping with the things that we're interested in. Books that are either on the topics of things that, you know, that we focus on, like feminism, activism, social justice, stuff like that, or focus on like sort of hearing the voices of people that are otherwise often marginalized. We did have a reading from a woman whose name is Marianne Riccardi, and she did, she wrote an awesome book, and she's a local local author. And we had a reading and a talk with her on, actually on intimate violence, and we carry her book. And it's called Screaming Through the Silence, and it's really, um, really powerful book. So you mentioned that this is your first time, like, running a business and pretty much the first time for everyone um, who's involved. And since you just started in March, it's been kind of new. How has that been and what have you learned from it? It's been great. It's been difficult. It's been really fun, though. I mean, I've learned so many different little things. It's kind of so bizarre because it kind of is what I envisioned. I think opening it, we're like, well, there's going to be a million different things that we don't expect to happen and this and this and this. And it's going to be a nightmare because of things we don't even consider. But knock on wood, it's like there have been alarmingly few (laughs) crazy things that we didn't expect to happen, honestly. So I don't know if I had very low expectations or like if it's just going well or somewhere in between, if everything's about to come crashing down, I don't know. Honestly, I guess something that I sort of 
worried about and still worry about is like someone coming in angry about the content of what we have. I like don't even want to say it out loud, but um, that hasn't happened, which has been nice because I'm, I'm, I hate confrontation. I feel like that's something that has happened here in Reno. I know there's a drag queen story time at the local library. Has it always been something that you thought of when you first thought about opening up this bookstore? Yeah, definitely. I mean, to the point, yes, that is like definitely something we think about to the point of like we have a big sign out front and wondering what we want to put on it. You know, we don't want like only super lefty activists coming in. Like that's not the point of being here. You know, the point is to like, I mean, both that everybody feels welcome and then also maybe that somebody who doesn't know about something, picks up a book and learns something new. Definitely, as far as, you know, putting the sign out front and advertising, sort of trying to find this balance of being honest about who we are and standing behind, you know, the things we believe in. And also being open to everybody. (laughs) You don't need to like look super counterculture to come in here and buy something or like come in here and feel welcome. We are open to everybody. And like, that is great if you come in and have a different thought, but can be civil and we can have a civil, normal conversation. The point of us being here is not to agree with, nobody's going to agree with every single thing we each individually think as people running the shop. I mean, we each don't agree with each other on everything. You know, it's like, there's obviously so many nuances to any sort of value system that somebody has. And sort of finally, you know, the thought of advertising and not wanting to put a target on our backs, the scary lefty store that's going to like rip apart the structure and integrity of like the white male world we live in, you know, it is always something that I'm sort of on guard about when somebody comes in, if it's going to be someone who's going to be pissed about something. Miraculously, it hasn't happened. But I mean, I do know businesses here who have gotten like a brick through their window. So like, we'll see. It's certainly something that exists, and it's certainly something that if there was any doubt that that, those sentiments existed very strongly, like, there's no doubt anymore at this point, I think. Unfortunately, people are on very different pages. Yeah. I think that's, like, really interesting that you mentioned that, too, because I feel like Reno, when people look at it, they're like, oh, it's almost rural. If you're from California, you look at it, and, like, they're going to think, oh, it's very conservative. But there's this side of Reno, like the store, um, the activists that are like, very progressive. How do you think that's changing? Like, is it growing here in Reno? It seems to me what seems to me is growing is it seems to me and I don't know, maybe this is just I'm getting old or something. But like, it seems to me like the young people, there's a lot of young people doing a lot of really, really cool stuff. Whether it's like straight up activists fighting for change and stuff like that, or just having like communities that are different than they were. Um, And I didn't grow up in Reno, but different than I saw as a young person. That's not really speaking to like the sort of influx of people moving here, um, which we've all seen and, you know, has like obviously dramatically affected like housing and stuff like that. But as far as like change that I feel like I'm aware of, there is the sort of younger generation younger sort of counterculture generation of today, to me, seems like they're doing a lot of really cool things. So why do you think books are a good way to learn about these important issues? I think a book is easier and less scary than having a conversation with somebody for a lot of people. For me, it definitely is. Understanding and like, you know, even if I just want to talk in the sense of like sort of understanding and confronting like my own privilege, 
both not putting the sort of onus of educating on another person as well as not feeling myself like I have time to like internalize or read things and like think about things. I think conversation can feel very confrontational for a lot of people. So as far as learning about things, one might be like reluctant to learn about or feel defensive about learning about. I think that books can be great in that sense. I think the kids' books are awesome because I think there are things that they're like, you know, books and images and things that I remember from being a kid, and I'm sure many people do, that like sort of get burned into your brain and you don't even really understand the impact it has on you. So if you're having books and reading things that have a diverse set of situations and characters and cultures and ideas and viewpoints, that's all getting sort of absorbed into your brain. I think that's like kind of laying very important groundwork for then being open to like things that are not your experience exclusively. I think also you don't have to buy like 1619 or whatever, like information packed, dense book that we have on the shelf to learn about something. You can also like buy a fiction book or a sci-fi book or whatever written by an author who's like comes from a completely different background from you to, to learn something. You learn people's perspectives by learning the way they speak or learning the way they write and learning the way they like convey things. I think they're educational on a variety of levels. Awesome. Um, so what did we miss? Well, I did not mention that our situation with our cats is they come from the SPCA. They are fully vaccinated and microchipped and fixed, spayed and neutered. So if anyone listening is ever in the market to just come and hang with a kitty, even if you can't adopt, you know, they're here and ready to be pet and share their love with you. But they're also adoptable. So if people came in and they decided that they really love this cat and they wanted to adopt them, how would they do that? We just do some paperwork. It's the same paperwork they do at the SPCA. There's no fee from us for adopting the fees, just the cost that the SPCA would charge, and that goes directly to the SPCA. Awesome. So they can just come in, fill out some paperwork, go home with a new furry friend? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we do some basic, you know, questions, but as long as it's a good match, we're happy to send anybody home with a kitty. Awesome. Um, all right. So the last question, who do you think we should have on the podcast? We're trying to get like a wide range of people from Reno and it seems like you know a lot of people. So who would you recommend that we have? Okay. Let me think for one second. Oh, so I always recommend the Holland Project and Britt and Alana, Alicia are the people who run it and they're amazing. I don't know if you guys have talked to them before, but they've been around for a while and they're a really great all ages space, gallery, show space, workshop space. They do a bunch of stuff. Another person that might be cool is this person, Christian, and I don't remember his last name, but I could find it for you. And he is like a teenage trans activist. And his mom, Elvira, does a lot of stuff too. But he's cool. He's been doing activism since he was like little, you know, like a, like a little baby or like a little child maybe. But he's, he's a cool guy and he's, I think he's like 16 or 17. That's kind of like... You know, when we talk about young people doing cool things, like I do think that you see more and more of that. So that is a cool young person who has like a cool history and experiences to share. Cool. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Listeners, thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of Reno Lights. And special thanks to this week's guest, Rosie Zuckerman. It was great learning more about her journey and thoughts on activism in Reno. Plus, being able to see some of the great books and cute kitties in the store. Thanks again so much, Rosie. 
Looking forward to the fun events the Radical Cat will have in the future. If you enjoyed this episode or any others, please do us a favor and spread the word. Letting your friends and family know about the show or sharing our posts on social media truly makes a difference between whether or not we get new listeners. And if you want to support the show financially, again, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash renoites. Thank you all so much for your support. This season of Renoites is produced by Connor McQuivy and myself. And that's all we have for you this week. See you next time. <laughs>